the book of Psalm, chapter number 3 this evening. The book of Psalm, chapter number 3. When we start reading it, some of you uh, will remember that there is a song that is sung around here from time to time uh, that is quoting directly this psalm. And I'm excited about being able to preach. This is laid, Lord laid this on my heart. And uh, to be honest with you, just to look through, to be able to study through and preach through some of the Psalms. And and that's the direction where God has me going right now. And I just got on stuck on chapter number three in the book of Psalm. Because thou, O Lord, praise God, it's all about him. Amen. It's not about me. It's not about who's around here, but it is about Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the one that we serve, the one that sent His only begotten Son to die for us. It is all about Him. But Thou, O Lord, is what I've been concentrating on, and that's what I've been singing to myself, Brother Kyle, all day. That's what I've been preaching to myself all day today. That's what I've been thinking to myself, that it's all about Him. Now, when we get to Psalm chapter number 3, but it's very important for us to know the background here. This is actually the very first Psalm. Psalm 1-2 does actually not have the subscription of Psalm, but the first Psalm that is denoted as a Psalm is chapter number 3. And we come to this popular Psalm, and it was penned by David. David was in a turmoil and trials and trouble and problems in his lifetime during this time. As a matter of fact... Uh, we know the, the trouble that David has gotten into many times before. Uh, when we know, we go to many times uh, uh, Psalm chapter number 42. We talk about uh, Psalm 51. We, talked about the, we talk about many of the Psalms that David has penned as he's in trouble. But this one is one of the ones. I, I can just imagine what he's doing when he's running for his life during this time frame. You say, when did David have to run from his, for his life? Well, I, I believe there's times where he had to fight lions and had to fight giants and he had to fight bears. Lions and giants and bears, oh my. And we've had, he had to fight Saul many times. And then he even had to go on and now he's fighting his very own son. Absalom has come against him, has revolted, and now is pushing his father out. Now, isn't it funny how that uh, many of the older people kind of knew the stability that David offered the the children of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. But there was a new face in town, and all the young people began to go a different direction. Young people, be careful. Be careful for those that are wanting for change. Be careful for those that are going in a different direction and saying, well, we just, we don't want to do it like that anymore. We need to keep the old ways. We need to keep the old paths. We need to set some old things up and begin to remember that God gave a reason for us uh, to go and continue in this way. I believe that the Bible tells us to, to seek out the old paths. The Bible tells us to look out for what God has set in stone and for us to be able to continue to follow that. But his son Absalom, he's running for him. And, and actually I say this, that the true king had been rejected, but the, the usurper, that one that was the false king, was now reigning as a king. And many people were trying to come against David. And David was running for his life. And the armies of Absalom, which many of the armies were, are, of course, uh, uh, given by the young people, the young men that were there. And, that, and they were trying to go and bring up this new young ruler named Absalom. And Absalom was going for his father, telling him that uh, he didn't need him anymore. But as you read this, it's very simple to find David and the state of mind that he was in. 
If you look in the very first couple of verses of this chapter, you see this, that you can see the trial that David was in the middle of. The trials that was happening. Look with me in verse number 1 in chapter number 3 in the book of Psalm. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Salah. Well, you see the trial that he's going through, but I want you to look in there in verse number 3. You see the trust that David had. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. Boy, I love that verse. Love those words. But then verse number 5, you see the triumph of David. Look at 5 through 8. And I laid me down and slept. Aren't you glad that your sweet, sweet sleep can be brought and sustained by God? And I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all the bones, thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. And then look at this, when he gets to the very end of it, he says, wow, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Amen, glory to God, hallelujah, he goes right there. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the great verses that you've given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, we thank you that you use this man, David, to pin down these words that we might be able to read them and be encouraged by them years and years and years down the road. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to touch, God, uh, those that are bereaved, God, those that are in sickness. And I pray that you'd be with us during this service, God. I pray you'd touch me. God, I pray you'd anoint me, Lord. I pray you'd touch me from my head to my toe. Lord, guard my mouth and my mind as I preach the word of God. Lord, may they not see me, but they see you and you high and lifted up. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that died on that cross on Calvary, on Golgotha, the place of the skull. Lord, you gave your life for me. But God, thank you for the fact that you got up three days later. And you arose from the dead. And God, now we can spend forevermore with you. Lord, we're looking forward to that day. We're looking forward to the moment where we see you face to face and can worship you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. As you look through those verses and I begin to see that those uh, verses are amazing to me. You see that trial. You see that trust. You see that uh, triumph of David. And it all unfolds in this very first chapter as we see what God is doing in David's life during this time. He's making him realize that there's a lot that's going on. But he can't do anything without the Lord Jesus Christ. Without God Almighty. Without God in his life. And I can tell you that there are times in my life where I've tried to go and do something, Brother John, on my own. But I realize that without God, I am nothing. The greatest day in your life will be when you realize that without God in your life, you are absolutely nothing. That, but when you have God in your life, you have become somebody. You say, well, why is it that you've become somebody just because you know God? Just because you know Jesus Christ? Because then you are a child of the King. Glory to God. 
And not just a king, but the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am his child and you are his child. And what a wonderful thought that we have. But it's all about him that we have this. When we look through those trials and those trusts and that triumph of David, and we see that it's broken up very easily in three different sections. And those three sections have a, a end cap. It has a crescendo that's marked by that word, Selah. That word Selah actually means, really country term wise, think about that. Well, think about that. Think about it for just a minute. Pause. Wait. Ponder this. Really consider what God is saying through the Holy Spirit of God. Many are they which uh, say of my soul, there is no help from Him or for Him in God. Think about that. Verse number 2 ends with it. Think about that for just a moment that we begin to look through that. Pause, ponder. It's in 73 times in the book of Psalm that that word Selah is used. It's the majority of anywhere else that it's used in the Bible. Second Kings uses it one time. And then if you remember back when we were studying through the majoring on the minors, we got to the book of Habakkuk. And we found it that it was used three times. In the third chapter of Habakkuk, it's used, Selah, Selah, Selah. And then right here in chapter number three, in eight short verses, he's used it one more, three more times just to be able to put an emphasis on that, to think about what the things that God is saying in the Word of God. And then I'm going to look at these first couple of verses, and I saw David's consideration. Well, what is David's consideration when you look at these first couple of verses? Well, the first thing that I see is that there's a multitude that is against David. Well, that multitude that we look first, look at the first couple of verses. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against many. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Boy, the multitudes are going against him. You begin to see that they are increased and they are many that are there and many there be. There's uh, three different times that he says that there's so many. There's a multitude that's coming against us. And I'll be honest with you, as Christians and in children of God, as children of God, we have multitudes of people. We are not the majority in this world. Whether we realize it or not, you and I, the Christians, the one that trusts Jesus Christ as our Savior, the true born-again people are not the majority. We live in a world where we think that we are the majority. I'll be honest with you. I was raised in a Christian home. Thank God that I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a home where my daddy prayed and read his Bible. I was raised in a home where mama prayed and threw saucers. No, I'm talking... No. Sorry. No, we, we lived raised in a home where mama prayed and mama read her Bible and daddy prayed. And, daddy, and it was Brother Richard, it wasn't just when we were sitting down to dinner that we prayed. We spent time in prayer other than that. And boy, I thank God that I had a couple of good, sweet, wonderful sisters that loved God too and still do and still serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to make up for Sunday morning, y'all know. Uh, but they, they were good folks and we, we just were raised in a Christian home. And, and then I went to a place that uh, went to church, a Trinity Baptist church over in College Park, Georgia and heard preachers preach like forked lightning. And I heard preachers get up, I saw them get up on top of pulpits and walk uh, the, the 
church pews. I saw them just preach and preach and sweat and holler and have a good time. And I thank God that I was raised in that kind of atmosphere. But then not only was I at home, but I went to church. And then I went to a Christian school where they taught me the Bible as well. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to go to every place that reinforced the Word of God in my life. That reinforced every part of the Word of God that I might be able to know that, boy, this is wonderful. This is real. This is a good thing. But then, Brother John, I got up older and I told my dad, I'm getting about 16. I probably need to go get me a truck. He said, what you need is a job. So he got me a job. That's a smart daddy, yeah. So he got me a job. And guess where he got me a job at? Christian City. So if I wasn't at home being surrounded by Christian things, and I wasn't going to church being surrounded by Christian things, and I wasn't going to school and I was being surrounded by Christian things, and then when I went to work, I went to a place called Christian City, and they reinforced the Word of God even in our daily employment. And what a wonderful thing that we can have that, that we are uh, talking about that. And, and boy, but the majority of people in this world, when the world that I grew up in, I was raised in a bubble. Let's just be honest. Most, most people think that I was raised in a bubble. Most people think I was raised in weirdos. But, but I was raised in a bubble in such a way that I was surrounded by the things of God. But the majority of the world is not like that. I am the odd one among that. Many of you cannot say that you have a testimony where you were raised in a Christian home, but thank God that you have changed that. And now you are raising your children and your family in the nurture and admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you can say that, but thou, O Lord, has changed my life, that you have made a change in my life. You turned me around and glory to God that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that the majority of it, the multitudes are coming against him. And boy, the multitudes, Brother Harper, are against us. They don't vote like we vote. Or may I say we shouldn't vote the way they vote. Oh my. (laughs) May I say, we shouldn't go to the same places that they go to. We shouldn't participate in the same things that they participate in. We shouldn't have the same type of desires that they have. Because the Bible calls us out, Brother Harper, to be a peculiar people. Boy, the multitudes were coming against David and the multitudes were going against him and they were saying, hey, we want you out. You're, you're part of the old part or you're part of the old way and we, we don't want that old way anymore. We're going to go the new, new way where everything's cool and everything's hip and everything's the direction that we're wanting to go and everything just goes the way you feel like it. Go ahead and let it happen. But I want you to get out of the way. That's what the multitudes were against him. And look at the, the misery that they were causing him. I'll be honest with you, the world will cause you misery. And as a child of God, if you are comfortable in the world, then there is a problem. You should not be comfortable sitting with the folks in during the world. Boy, the misery that they have. They trouble me, he said. They rise up against me. They say of my soul. They talk about me. They tell these things about me. They are troubling me. They are causing a problem everywhere I turn. They're causing me a problem one more time. I'll be honest with you. 
If you're okay with the world and the world is okay with you, then we need to do some checking up on something that's going wrong. And here we are, he's saying that they're troubling me, but then I want you to notice their message to him. Their message at the end of chapter number 3, or chapter, or chapter number 3, verse number 2. There is no help for him in God. Now how do the people that are not really sure of who God is, how can they even know that, is my first question. And I began to study that word out, Brother Joseph. I found this word, that, that word, there is no help, can also translate, that word is used as salvation. So they're saying there's no salvation, there's no help for him. Even God can't help him in the situation that we have put him in. And the world feels like they have overcome and they have uh, uh, battled forth and they've gone forth anymore. But uh, they're saying simply this, that they're saying that there's no salvation for him. And then I begin to ask a question, what does that mean? Does, does no what, that, that means that there's no one to wash away and take away sins? Does that mean that there's no one to grant righteousness where righteousness is needed? Does that mean that there is no blood? Does that mean that there would be no sacrifice? Does that mean that there would be no great high priest for us someday? Would that mean that there is no cleansing? Would that mean that there is no help in God for David? If there's no help in God for David, then that means there's no help in God for us as well. But David began to ponder that. At the end of that verse, he says, think about that. Just think about that for a minute. And when he thought about it, he changed his mind. (laughs) He changed his mind real quick. Why? Because when he gets to chapter number 3, verse number 3, he says, But thou, O Lord... Hallelujah. Glory to God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me and my glory and the lifter up of mine head. But thou, it's all about you. Boy, if I have my concentration on what the world is saying and I I have my focus on what God is, uh, what the the world is going forth and trying to get rid of God, then there's going to be some problems. But if I keep my focus, if I keep my attention on the Lord Jesus Christ, if I keep my attention on God Almighty, but thou, O Lord, are the one that I should be focused on. But thou, O Lord, are the one that I should know without a a shadow of a doubt that has been for me every step of the way. But thou are the one that has sacrificed yourself for it. But thou art the one that has been the one that has uh, raised himself from the dead. But thou art the one that is coming again, glory to God, to get his children. But thou are the one that's setting the table, glory to God, for a wedding day in heaven someday. But thou, O Lord, are the one that my focus is upon. But thou Now is my salvation in Jesus Christ and God Almighty. I'm thankful that we look at this and we say, but thou, and what is it? A shield. That shield is a covering. Now we all think about the shield. We think about the one that we use. And David is very familiar with the shield, how he had to fight in hand-to-hand battle and combat. But that shield was uh, very great. It was one of those ones where they had a shield. And if you look in Ephesians chapter number 6, when you get to that verse, that description of a shield is actually from about head to toe. It's a long shield. It's not just a small, circular, round shield. It's a long shield. And it actually has a way where another shield can hook up. And that's good. That's good. Glory to God. It can be hooked up together where two people can come together and a third person can come together. And the good thing about it is, Brother John, that the great thing is, is that you can hook so many together that you can surround yourself. 
You can go ahead and get in the middle, and then there's also where you can go ahead and put one over the top, and you're in a little shell. Glory to God, hallelujah. But when I start thinking about the shield that God is for me, I don't have to have anybody else stepping by the side for me, but I got God beside me. On my left and on my right, I got my, I got God and sitting in front of me, glory to God. And I've got God that's behind me, glory to God. And I've got God that's above me and got God that's below me. And He's my shield, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm getting excited about the shield of God. He is the covering that, hey, even when the wiles of the devil and the fiery darts are coming upon us, I don't have to worry about it because, grace God, there's a shield for the Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty is the covering that I need every step of the way. Boy, the shield that we have. But then I want you to see, he says, also that he's my glory. What does that glory mean? Why does he my glory? He's my, I like to say it this way, he's my cause. He's the reason. He's the reason for everything. God Almighty is the reason that I stand before you tonight. (laughs) Glory to God. God Almighty is the reason, Brother Jose, that I am saved and born again. God is the reason that I can get up and proclaim the Word of God. God is the reason that I'm able to stand and, and, and love my children and love my wife and love my family and come to church and love the people of God and enjoy. God is everything. He is my cause of everything that I do in my life. Boy, salvation, when you meet God and you meet the salvation that God gives to you, He becomes your cause. He becomes your reason. He's the reason that you live. He's the reason that you breathe. He's the reason that you go and witness. He's the reason that everything that's happening in your life, glory to God, He is the cause that causes you to get up in the morning and pillow your head. He's the cause that allows you to have sweet sleep. And glory to God, Brother Joe, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But thank God that He is the cause that we have. And then we get to that very last one, the third one that He says that He is the lifter up of my head. He's my comfort. Boy, have you ever been in a down and out situation? You've been going through problems and you've been going through trials. What's the first thing that, what's the first thing that happens? You drop that head. Boy, when you got, when that sadness creeps into your life, what happens? That head drops. When shame comes into your life, what happens? And head drops. But Brother John, somebody shows up, says, I've already been your covering, and I'm going to be your cause, but now I'm going to be your comfort. Lift up your head. Lift up because there's good things. Glory to God, hallelujah. There are bright days ahead of you. There are good days that are ahead of you. Why do I know this? Because Jesus Christ is my Savior. That there are good days ahead of me. Why? Because He is right there beside me every step of the way. Why is it that I I know that God is with me and God is for me and there's good days ahead? Because, Brother Michael, the Lord Jesus Christ has told me that He is coming again. And glory to God, when He comes again, we get to get up. And whether it's by the grave or whether it's by the rapture, 
we get up out of this old world and we drop this robe of flesh and we get a glorified body and we can enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ forevermore and be reunited with loved ones that have already gone that way. Glory to God, there's brighter days ahead. And what do you think, Brother John? It gets even better because in John Revelation chapter number 19, I get married to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what happens? We get over to chapter 20 and 21. The old slew foot, the old devil, the old Satan, the, the serpent himself gets cast into the lake of fire. Glory to God. I don't have to deal with him anymore. You don't have to deal with him anymore. I get to a place called heaven and I don't have to deal with sin anymore. I don't have to deal with sorrow anymore. I don't have to deal with sickness anymore. I don't have to deal with death anymore. Glory to God. It's getting good. The days are getting brighter. I'm looking forward to a day that Jesus Christ is coming again. Boy, this, but thou, O Lord, when he gets to that end, verse gets into verse number, he says that he lifts up my head. Boy, he elevates you. Pharaoh's butler found out that he can elevate you to a place of position. When Hezekiah was found, he could elevate him from health into after sickness. And he could bring him and he could lift him up from gladness after sorrow when he talked to Mary and Martha. And when Peter was sitting there looking at, he could lift him from frustration after a fall. And then whenever Jesus Christ was talking or God was talking to David himself, he could have a victory after a defeat. He could lift us up. And what does David say? Say loth. Think about that. How is it possible? But thou, O Lord, think about that. But I want you to look with me, that consideration that we have, and then also the consolation that he had. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at verse number four with me. David's cry. David's cry. And I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me. Out of his holy hill. Selah. Think about that. Boy, David's cry is amazing to me. He cries out because why was his cry? His cry was very pointed. He wasn't crying out just to be able to be heard by anybody. I can know that there's times when people have cried out. I, I remember as a time, as a child, I... I, I I got in trouble from time to time and I got some other kids in trouble from time to time. And unfortunately, Brother Steve, we had to call and ask for help. And to be honest with you, Brother Jose, we didn't care who came and got us as long as somebody came and got us out of the situation that we were in. Now, I know all of y'all are so good, y'all never had that kind of thing. Never had those kind of problems where people had to come get you out of a situation. Never. Never. I'm going to preach to this side that's being honest. Glory to God. Hey, there's been times in my life where it didn't matter. Brother Robert, it didn't matter who came and got me as long as they got me out of there. But David was crying to us very specific. His prayer was pointed. His cry was very pointed. He was crying to a specific one. He wasn't crying to just whoever heard him. or He wasn't crying out to a God of stick and stone. He wasn't crying out to a God that would have no ears, have ears but not hear him. He wasn't crying out to a God that had the hands but could not reach out and, and pick him up out of this situation. He was crying to God Almighty. And he says that I cried unto the Lord. Jehovah. 
The one that could do something about it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have somebody that can do something whenever we need him to do it. Boy, he was pointing. He was directed to the one that could do something about it. But then the great thing about it is, is that that prayer, when his cry of his prayer was perceived. It was perceived by God because he heard David's cry. Look at that verse, verse number four. And he heard me out of his holy hill. Now, when I was studying this, and I'll get real excited, I know I'm getting excited during Bible study time here on Wednesday night, but it's not uncommon for me to happen to do this, Brother Shane. But when as I studied this, Brother John, it amazed me that it hit me that David was a king. And David had been dethroned at this time. Y'all following me? Glory to God. So David was the king that had been removed from his throne. But he was praying to somebody and crying out to somebody that was still seated on his throne and never would be taken from his throne. Glory to God. Never can be removed from his throne. He was saying, what do you say? How do you know that? Because God is high and lifted up and he's seated on the throne. And what is that? Where is that throne? In the place called heaven. Glory to God. And how is that? When you look at verse number four, it says that, and he, speaking of God, heard me, David speaking, out of his holy hill. And then he says, think about that. And I just began to think about that. And it began to bless me. <laughs> and it began to help me to know that God in His high lifted up position still hears the meager little prayers and the humble little prayers of me and of you. And anyone that needs glory to God, it doesn't matter. what He's got a million people or uh, several million people that are praying to Him. He can hear each and every individual prayer. I was talking to Brother Joe earlier about this. And he said, yeah, and David uh, or uh, uh, Daniel was talking about how he had uh, prayed for 21 days and that angel came down and said, but I've also, I've heard the very first prayer. Boy, here I want to tell you folks, you may have been praying for years and years. You may have been praying for a few days. You may have been praying for a few hours, but don't give up because God has heard every prayer that you have offered up to Him. And He'll hear every prayer that you will continue to offer up to Him. And He is still high. And He is still lifted up. And He is still in the holy hill. He is still in heaven. He is still the omnipotent. I thank God that He is the almighty God that is still seated on His throne. Boy, a wonderful cry that He has. Think about that. But then I want you to look in verse number 5 with me. Look at David's confidence. Now, I really love this because in verse number 5, he talks about sleeping. I laid me down and slept. Now, as we think about this, once again, we go back to the history of this and the setting of this, and you see that Absalom is forming his army just a hill or two. Away. David has a few of his men with him still. The mighty men of David are still seated with him, still working with him, and they're outnumbered. They may not have the numbers in their favor, but they got God on their side. And David knows that no matter what's going on over there, two or three hills that way, I know who is here with me. 
And because he is with me, I can have confidence in knowing that he's going to give me peace. The peace that is restored, that restoration or restored peace that he has, peace that passes all understanding. As a matter of fact, the confidence that he had is the fact that he says that I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. In Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 24, it simply says this, that your sleep shall be sweet when you place your faith and trust in God Almighty. What a wonderful confidence that we can have that to know that in Psalm chapter number 3, verse number 5, he says that I laid me down and I slept and I was able to get a good night's rest. Why? Because my confidence was not in what I could do, but in what my Savior, what God was doing Behind the scenes. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ, before He left, He said it this way in John 14, verse number 27. John 14, verse number 27, He says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, but give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Wow. The peace that God is giving to us is a peace that the world knows nothing about. The peace that God gives to us is a peace that the world will never know anything about. It's a restored peace that He has. The confidence is in the peace that He has, but then the confidence also is in the promise that He has been given. Now you realize that David has been promised that his seed will have the throne. Boy, Absalom was a bad seed. One that was causing much problem, much issue during their lifetime, during that time. And he promised that David's throne would continue on. And I want to tell you this, that David realized God hadn't given up on me yet. God hadn't let me down from the last time and God ain't going to let me down this time. Oh, what a wonderful thing to, to know that God's promise that will come along for me that he said that I lay me down and I slept and I awake. Isn't it wonderful when you get up? Now, I don't know about you, but I thank God. When I open my eyes, I say, thank you, Lord, for letting me live. Or to be able to take another breath. To live another day in this life. God, you've given me another hour. You've given me another time to be able to serve you. God, give me this day and show me what I can do during this day. Boy, he promised him. And look what he says. He sustained Why was I able to sleep sweet? Why was I able to awake? Because the Lord sustained me. He laid hold of me. He supported me and will continue to support me. I'm here to tell you that thank God that the same God that supported and was able to lay hold of David and sustain him is the same God the day that's going to be able to sustain you during this night or during this storm or during this time, during this issue that you may be having. Thank God that he is the same God that's with us today. But look in verse number 6 and 7 with me. I'm closing quickly. Look at verse number 6 and 7. Look at David's courage. And I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Boy, he's already talked about how that they are increased and how there are many that rise up and many there be that say of my soul. He's been talking about the multitudes that are there and he goes back and he says, I'm not going to be afraid of the ten thousands of people. Because why? Because I know that the battle's not mine. Because I know that if I'm going to try to fight this battle, then I'm going to lose this battle. 
But if I give this battle over, if I give this battle over to the one that can win, to the one that can fight, the one that really truly can do anything with it, then I will come forth. I will be able to come victorious through God Almighty. David now is giving everything over. Brother Richard, he's giving everything to God and he's saying, hey, I, I'm not going to be afraid of the ten thousands of people. I'm, I'm going to set, set themselves about me, but my courage is in the Almighty. Nothing to fear on my side. So many times that Jesus Christ throughout the New Testament says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. <clears throat> I love the fact that in Revelation chapter number one, he says, fear not, for I am the first. And the last, fear not because I'm at the beginning and fear not because I'm at the end. And it struck me, Brother Jose, if he's at the start and he's at the end, he's everywhere in between too. Glory to God that if he's there at the start, there at the end, that he's going to be there every step that I take, every take, everywhere that I go, he's going to be right there with me and, and he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. And, and he says, I don't have anything to fear. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Glory to God that hey, we have God on our side. We have nothing to fear when God is on our side. But look at verse number seven with me. Arise, O Lord, save me. O oh my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Have y'all ever had a kid that had a biting problem? Well, pray for the rest of us. I remember there was kids that would would act like they wanted to kiss you. I, I, I had, I had a, a young lady back when we were about five years old, and I remember this vividly because mom and dad were trying to set us up at five. That was crazy, you know. It didn't work out. They said, why don't you give Brother Shane a kiss on her cheek? And she leaned over and she had them lips. And then all of a sudden, with a vengeance... She opened her mouth and bit down on my cheek and bit me. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. This is over. This is not going to happen. But God says, but David said, you've broken the teeth. You ever had people that just kind of nipping, backbiting at you? Brother John, it's hard to bite with no teeth. I know that's real deep. I know it gets real deep right there. But it's hard to bite when you don't have any teeth left because God's already breaking those teeth. When, when he looks at it, he says, you've smitten them upon the, my enemies upon the cheek. Arise, O Lord. You ever had anybody tell you, don't make me come up there. Don't make me stand up. Business picks up. When God stands, business picks up. Boy, his courage was in the Almighty, but his courage most indefinitely was in the ability of the Almighty. David had past experiences. You've broken the teeth of those enemies of the ungodly. You've smitten all of them upon the cheek of my enemies. You've you've done this. Arise, O Lord, and do it. 
again. One more time, God. Go ahead and do it one more time. There was a time where I needed your help when the bear came along and there was a time that you showed up during that time. There was a time when a lion came along and I needed your help and you showed up during that time. But then, God, there was a time when a big old giant came forth and his name was Goliath and you came forth at that time. And then there were times when Saul was coming against me and I needed some help during that time. And God, you came. God, I'm begging you one more time. I need you one more time. And I'm so glad, Brother Tag, to know that God doesn't get tired of hearing me say, God, I need you again. God, I need you to come to my rescue again. God, I need to depend on you one more time. I give it all over to you. God, I, my courage is in you. That's what it is. Stand up, Lord, and show yourself strong. But then I want you to look at the David's conclusion. When he gets to it in verse number 8, <clears throat> he says simply, you know what? Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Think about that. One more time, the conclusion of David's day, when he was worried about all of this, very, very beginning that he's thinking about this, and he's writing, the, he's pinning these words down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, and he's pinning this down, he's saying that, boy, there's coming against me, they're troubling me, they've risen up against me, they're saying that there is no help, they're saying there is no salvation for me in you, God. But let me think about something. Salvation doesn't belong to them. Salvation doesn't belong to a group of people. Salvation belongs to the Lord. <laughs> so in other words, the possession of salvation is not the work of man. Therefore, man cannot grant salvation, nor can man deny salvation for a man that is willing. But salvation is the possession of the Lord. So they can't keep me from you, Lord, because only I can keep myself from you. And I'm coming to you, God, begging you for help. And the people of the Lord simply is this, that I'm being blessed. See, I'm blessed because the Lord is on my side. You're blessed because the Lord is on your side. If you trusted Christ as your Savior, God is for you. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, God is calling you. Trust me, I'm on your side. The conclusion of David is, think about that. But thou, oh Lord, salvation belongs to you. My cry has gone up only to you. My confidence, God, is only in you. My courage is only because of you. Brother, Brother John, the consolation and the confidence and the conclusion of David is simply this. But thou, O Lord. But thou. Nobody else. It's only Let's stand all over the building. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time.